Hello, we are Polly and Partners and this is Brand New Thinking. When people connect with purpose, it take you further than that single line in your balance sheet. There's more to your professional and private life than the kind of material feedback that you get through your paycheck. If you are flourishing and if you're being really successful and you're feeling like you're being good, somehow that then connects very much with the kind of quality of mission there as well. And I'm not sure you can have a quality of mission if you're not also using the best of yourself. Do not try and be good. Just try and be social as much as possible. And if you wanted to, that extra little something to make you stand out from the crowd, be social with other brands and other products. Brand New Thinking is our platform to bring people, experience, industry, colleagues and friends together to share ideas and generate fresh thinking around branding. Over the coming episodes, you'll hear us doing just that in conversation with industry leaders from the creative and commercial worlds. As a brand consultancy, we believe our best work happens when we challenge existing ways of thinking. So for more, head to pollinpartners.com, find us on social media or search hashtag brand new thinking. Enjoy the show. Okay, so we're here in the pod at White City Place for our first brand new thinking podcast. We thought we'd kick off with a big philosophical issue, which is the question of how to be good. Plenty has been written on this topic through the ages, from Plato and the ancient Greeks to books such as Business is Unusual by Anita Roddick, who founded The Body Shop and Double Dip, how to run a values-led business and make money too, from the founders of Ben & Jerry's Ice Cream. We're lucky to have three fantastic individuals, all helping to make the world a better place in different ways, joining us to share some of their insights on what it means to be good. And I'm going to hand over to you guys to introduce yourselves. Hi, uh, thanks. Um, My name's Simon Coley. I'm the co-founder and creative director of Karma Cola. We make cola. What makes it different is that we actually use cola nut. And when a product like this has so much consumption in the world, could we possibly give something back to the people who originally found and still use cola? Brilliant. Great to have you, Simon. I'm Susie Lawrence. I'm a business psychologist and a coach, and I founded Runway Consultancy 10 years ago. I work with individuals and teams, uh, mostly in organisations, and I'm really interested in what it means as an individual to be really good, really happy, really fulfilled, really successful in what you do. Great. Thank you, Susie. And hi, I'm Alex Kenmuir. I'm uh, I lead on the expansion of a thing called Good Gym. I say thing because I'm not always sure how to describe it. We're a community of runners that get fit by doing good. We either runners groups to local community organisations and charities to help them out with physical volunteering, or we're runners who go and visit isolated older people, either providing a bit of social interaction or helping out with tasks around the home, basically to try and keep them happy and independent in their own homes. Brilliant. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And, uh, you know, especially thank you to you guys, because not only did you join us at our last Brand New Thinking event, but you're here helping us to co-create our very first Brand New Thinking podcast. Before we dive into the topic and, and the question of what it means to be good, I wanted to you know ask you guys for your perspectives on why this topic seems to get so much attention. I think wherever I look at the moment, it seems like people are talking about brand purpose and corporate social responsibility, 
the fact that millennials want to make the world a better place. What do you think is driving this agenda? You know, from what we see, and it, unfortunately it's happening more often, the businesses that we partner with, which mostly are, you know, organisations or restaurants or outfits that sell our drinks, have people working for them that are more educated in the impact of their actions as a consumer than we ever have been. And it's interesting, I had a conversation with a, a guy who runs a chain of restaurants today, and he was actually about to tell us that um, we were going to be delisted. And I thought, wow, this is, you know, we have this kind of problem, right? It costs to make our drink or drinks. It's hard for us to compete with the big brands that have reduced those costs. And in order to put money back in the pockets of people in our supply chain that we think deserve it, it's very hard for us to keep the price down. So at the moment, the casual dining scene has got some pressure, right? You're seeing a few places close. So the meeting was all about, sorry, you know, it's time that we told you the accountants have been through the balance sheet and really we can't afford to keep you anymore. Fortunately, one of the people I was there with, one of our employees, had just been in Sierra Leone. And when the dust sort of settled, I said, well, you know, it's been great that you've been able to help us this far. Perhaps Sam could tell you something about what it was like being with our growers. So we told the story about what we do. And at the end of the meeting, he said, you know what, I'm going to go back to my executive team and try again. And then I got an email this afternoon, and he said, we've decided to keep you on the menu, exclamation mark, hooray, exclamation mark. And I thought... That's in the zeitgeist now. This person saw that. And I think, you know, hopefully we can keep having those conversations because, you know, it's tough doing this sort of business. But when people connect with purpose, it should take you further than that single line in your balance sheet. And that's kind of what we're here for, to go that there's more to your professional and private life than the kind of material feedback that you get through your paycheck or... Absolutely, and it, it sounds like you know what really connected with that guy wasn't so much anything that is the zeitgeist, but actually that appealed to his emotions and the fact that you can bring the story of your supply chain to life in such a powerful way. And I think that people know they have an impact. You know, I think in the work that you do, Sean, and and everyone here, that you know we know we can go further than the realm of our influence if we're clear about how we do that. If that makes sense, that that it's possible to do some good. Absolutely, and it actually feels good. How about for you guys? What what do you think is driving the agenda with? I think that it's really interesting when you have a hundred of the sort of people that you had in the room, Sean, and thinking about a very old-fashioned model that you learn at business school, which is called uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And you've got at the bottom is food and shelter and all the basic things that we need in order to keep us going as human beings. And at the very top of that is self-fulfillment. And so we've now created a society of young people who have skipped all of those early stages of the hierarchy of needs and are right up to self-fulfillment. And I see the kind of clients that I'm working with and they're asking the questions about how do I create that meaning and that purpose in what I do? And they are using that as a decision maker to what they decide to do with their lives much more than perhaps they would around how much money I'm going to earn, what kind of status am I going to have recognition. And I guess the other thing that I see is really important is um, social media and the fact that people can see people like Simon and Alex doing really exciting stuff and they can access it and they can say, I can do something like that. So there's a sense of agency because you have got everything out there and everybody is connected. That's really exciting. So, you know, social media really driving 
our conscience and uh, you know amplifying some of those small actions Simon was talking about that's a really nice idea and also this reference to Maslow is really nice I one of my favorite quotes has always been uh, once housed dressed fed and medicated we sit back and ask ourselves what we should be doing as human beings and it feels like it's kind of tapping into that Alex how about your sort of experiences from good gym well I guess you guys have kind of stolen all the good points already which is very annoying but um I think I'd pick up on this theme of identity and not not just from a positive angle of empowerment and agency, but actually a bit of personal crisis in a way. I don't think there's ever been a time when we've been more connected and more vulnerable. I mean, it's bizarre that we're sat in a pod with lots of windows. I don't think I've ever felt more vulnerable in my life. Um, but really, even if I step out of it, whether I'm on Twitter or Instagram or whether, even if I'm not, you know, it's easier and easier for more and more, more people to just judge me and again if you look at some of the debates out there I think what I find most interesting is is that question of am I good or am I bad I, I feel like things have become so polarised that actually the identity crisis of well I think this and I don't feel like I'm a, a bad person but someone might think it is or I didn't think this was a good thing but people are really reacting to it that feedback loop is so loud now and I think that's sort of sparked this interest of something you might have taken for granted a little bit maybe in the past. People are doing now, a lot more soul-searching and asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's kind of prodded by everyone else as well, as well as yourself. Interesting, you know, people talk about millennials being snowflakes, but I think that idea that there is so much more pressure on us because of the amplification of social media and everything else is, I think that's a really, really valid, absolutely. valid point. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a universal human sort of search for finding out whether we're good enough or not. Thank you for sharing those perspectives. That answers some of the questions about why the search to be good is in the zeitgeist right now, but it does sound like it's quite a universal human thing, and it really, I suppose, goes back to Plato and the fact that for a long time, for centuries, we've been searching for this idea of what it means to be good, both in, in an ethical sense as well as from a, a personal perspective and the, you know how we can find flourishing in our own lives. Just on that note, you know, in one sentence, how would each of you individually define what it means to be good? If I start with you, Alex. Making choices that benefit others as well as yourself. Very nice. Susie, how about for you? Thinking very carefully and deeply about yourself and what you have to offer as an individual and not being too ambitious about it and doing something in a very small way, which is using the best of you. Brilliant. Simon? This is actually good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for me, it, it is that sense of comfort that comes from knowing that I've, I'm engaging and the people and things, well, mostly people, I guess, that I'm engaging with appreciate the dialogue, I guess. It's pretty abstract, but, you know, my life has changed a lot since I started doing this. I'm meeting other people from other cultures and dealing with all of those things we do in our lives, my family, my friends, my colleagues. And the time that I have is kind of shared amongst them a lot more things than it ever was. You know, it's when I feel like something's, in a very small way, has changed for the better from those sorts of interactions that I feel good. specific questions to dive into and I wanted to start with you Simon by asking whether you could shed some insights I suppose from your journey in 
building a business that is both profitable but built around this idea of doing good. You know, we, we are still challenged to be profitable. We're not as big as we'd like to be. We think that there's a certain scale where the business will have more momentum. It's not as straightforward a business model as it sounds. So, you know, we always have the kind of operational, financial, cultural challenges that come with that when we're in a number of different countries in the world. We've built our model to work from New Zealand in the UK and Australia. And personally, we're all kind of challenged by trying to make that work because, you know, different time zones, you know, trying to share the same values, but there's always reason for, you know, us to have to think about how to do that better. So it's not different to any other business, except we're kind of a global company without having a global budget. (laughs) So we really have to think about how we engage people in our story, which is kind of the magic in what we're doing, that if you can show that you're connecting a group of people through a simple transaction and then there's actually a benefit from it, then it feels like we'll be able to not have to have a large marketing budget to get people to know and share what we do and participate in that. So I think the business challenge in doing good as a business is that you've still got to compete for choice and you've got to get the choice of someone in a very, very short time. And you know there's kind of science around this, but it's 0.3 seconds they reckon on a supermarket shelf it's probably a little bit more if you've got a bit more time to think about what you're going to drink on a menu or in a cafe or something but it's still pretty much what you preconceive you want not a new thing you know so that's our challenge it's kind of telling the story in a short time and I guess the great thing about the way it feels we're going is that the more people that know it the better it gets so we can kind of feel that movement Absolutely. So the challenges are no different other than, I know this is a cliche, but you really have to turn that constraint into an advantage. And I think the way to do that, and there's kind of written theory around challenger brands, is to go, we are not like these other ones. And for you who want to have some understanding of your impact as a consumer, we're happy to show you everything. So here you go. That's really powerful. I think you're not just asking people to make a choice in terms of which cola is going to taste best, but you're actually asking people to engage with the supply chain and where it's come from. And And you still have to win on that. You have to taste great and you have to look good enough for someone to pick them up. But once you've got past that, then I think you've earned the right to tell them more of a story. Fantastic, yeah. I think that's a really good segue into the next question, which is how do brands earn the right to tell people what ethics are and what good looks like. Alex, at the event you touched on this theme, I I wondered what your perspective was about where do brands have permission to talk about being good and what's the fine line, you know, is there a fine line there? Yeah, I mean, that. I've been thinking a lot about this. I mean, it's tricky, even the whole language of permission. I guess they don't ask permission from anyone, really. But I suppose, do I think that they can tell people what is good? No. I don't think anyone can. And I think it's very, very difficult to find any kind of brand that is squeaky clean. And I'll say this, I could probably forensically dissect Simon's company and find something wrong with it. And immediately you'd get into the, well, how can you tell me what's good when you do X, Y, and Z? And I think that's some of the traps that people fall into. So I think as long as brands try and tell or set a standard for what good is, they'll always fail because they're human. They're just a, an extension of us, and you know, I don't know anyone who's perfect. What I do think they can do a bit more is, uh, I was thinking about the term, a thankless task, you know, and why people might become frustrated by being good or doing good. And I just thought it's quite fascinating that no matter what brand you are, what product or service 
you have, the people who use it are probably good people. Mm. And I'll probably say that they also don't hear a lot of thank you or a lot of recognition for that. I think there's something really nice that I think brands could be doing a lot more about in terms of just saying thank you. Not thank you for being a loyal customer or thank you for buying all this or thank you for giving us X a million. Just thank you for being thoroughly decent people because because of that, we can exist as well. All that good stuff you do, that creates the infrastructure where we can even do business. Because if you were all horrible, you, our society wouldn't exist. So I think there is permission for brands to not talk about themselves, permission to talk about the customers. And in terms of granting that permission, as a customer, I can do that. You just have to ask. And I suppose that's the interesting interaction I'd like to see. I think that's really interesting that, you know, that shift away from brands being there to serve themselves and to sell us stuff and bombard us with a particular lifestyle, but, you know, actually shifting towards being more transparent, more authentic and not doing good in a sort of taking the moral high ground way, but by empowering their customers and thanking them. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's tons of feedback mechanisms. You know, brands, companies are always listening it's maybe listen to the stuff around it as well not just what did you think of this but mm. what do you think of things generally how are you you know what what excites you mm. who inspires you that sort of thing you can probably get tons of nice customer gossip that yeah. shapes <laughs> what being good is and just get that out there and it sounds more like a shift from brands kind of broadcasting to actually being in much more of a dialogue and you know simon that goes back to what you were saying it's not just transactions it's not just buying something from a brand but actually having a bit of a dialogue, having an interest in, in the supply chain and the provenance of that brand. And and like Alex said, it's that community of people interested in what you're doing that, that is the measure of your success. If they're engaged and you can engage with them, you can grow. But if they don't believe you, you're a bit stuffed, really. You know, you've got to show... That's why that whole idea of transparency, to your point, what's and all, saying we invite you to kind of participate in this because we need your guidance as much as... We can help you, you know. Absolutely. And to think about Good Gym and why I think it works Mm. is the community aspect Mm. and that there is actually very little we can do to control that. In fact, a lot of the time we've created this thing and we're reacting around it. And how do we... But there's something in knowing that you can be the catalyst of that trust and let them go with it. After your talk, Mm. I talked to one one of the people that work with us who's been doing your thing at Good Gym. And it was fantastic. Just knowing that he'd gone out and done some running and been to see yeah. some people and felt that he could do that, that he got involved with the, with other people and encouraged them to, I thought, well, it is really glue amongst the community because it's not just beneficial to the person you think is benefiting from the service. It's beneficial to the person who thinks they're giving. If we sort of shift the focus from brands and society and, and communities as an abstract thing and we really kind of start to zone in on the individual, Susie, what sort of responsibilities do you think we have to ourselves, to each other, to be and to do good? Yeah, it's interesting and it's interesting picking up on what the two of you have said because actually what is a community made up of? It's a group of 
individuals. So, and it's interesting uh, that you asked the question, Sean, in terms of responsibilities, because as soon as I see the word responsibilities, I think of those old-fashioned job specs with duties and responsibilities, and it makes me feel like a child. And so, there's something about running away from that feeling and of, of that it actually being something that is um, comes from somewhere different inside you, and it comes from a sort of more emotional response. And I think as soon as you understand that emotional response, you then become very much more involved in what you're doing and it becomes a sort of feedback loop. And I guess, Alex, if you talked about it, is that it's just so powerful. And that feeling of doing something which is super meaningful is more powerful. And I think there's masses and massive evidence that actually, in terms of actually happiness and fulfilment, giving back and engaging is far more powerful than all sorts of things. And absolutely, definitely earning a vast um, bunch of pound notes. Because if we think about an individual, in order to be good, we've actually got to be using the best of ourselves. So I've been working at an organisation this afternoon talking about purpose and it is an organisation which has a strong quality of mission. But I wonder whether actually having a quality of mission is enough for an individual. I wonder whether it's got to be using the best of yourself. So I think in order to be able to do good, you have to have actually reflected and said... Okay, what it is about me? What? How does my brain work? How do I build relationships? What do I do really well? What sabotages me? And in which case, then, how do I connect that with something that is meaningful? I'm interested to probe a little bit deeper on on this idea of quality of mission and the personal why. I guess for those of us who are plagued with existential dread over you know what our purpose is and where we can find that, could you shed a bit more insight about? you know, how you find and get in touch with your personal why? I think it's a very gradual thing. I don't know what everyone else thinks here, but I think that when you start off and you are in your early 20s, you need to do stuff. And I think it was Steve Jobs at that famous Cornell speech that he gave where he talks about doing random things throughout your life and then you begin to connect the dots and you begin to see some kind of themes. And through those themes, you begin to understand a little bit about what excites you and what you do really, really well. And I think from that, then you have very accidental things that happen to you along the way. And then you think, ha that's where I can make a difference. And I guess for me... I don't know, a great example is perhaps working with people who are addressing educational disadvantage and thinking about, okay, so how do I, how as an individual do I address this issue? And for some people that might be on a one-to-one in a classroom, but for other people it might be working in the Department of Education changing policy. So it's about actually that connection and that reflection and that time and then that sharing of ideas. And then it's totally random things that happen to you. And you just have to kind of listen and reflect and think, wow, okay, that has some sense for me. And actually, I can make a difference in that small way and not be too pompous and grand about it, I guess. It sounds like it's becoming more mature and dialing down the ego and learning to sort of see yourself in abstraction almost and be more aware of the impact you have on the world around you and what drives you and how all those things start to connect up. And Alex, you must, uh, I, I imagine through Good Gym, there might be a few people who come along and maybe they're not necessarily looking for their purpose in life or, you know, coming to you with their existential problems, but it must be incredible to be part of that community and people must start to kind of question and examine that the higher purpose of why they're part of a group like absolutely I, I think good gym is one of those random moments <laughs> that Susie's talking about the sort of things that are completely unexpected that 
expose you to things and people that you would never come across and again give you cause to reflect cause to just think oh actually I am developing I'm doing something and you know whether it's someone who's come along just for one run or someone who's come along for loads or someone who's just moved on I just know that good gym has had an impact and I think even in the nature of what we do both running and volunteering it's same time and doing it in, in different spaces each week to me it's the diversity of experience that that unlocks and obviously good gym is one way of doing it there's tons of other things but and i think that's probably what helps beyond just the community angle I, i've been really interested listening to susie because i'm there i'm thinking it's all about community but then i also think well if i'd stayed at home in my hometown and just got a job there and stayed in my own village would i be the same person i am today well absolutely not I might still make good choices, I, I might do good things, but I'd probably also carry a lot of prejudices from that community as well because I haven't tried anything different to challenge them. You wouldn't be as good as mm. you've become. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's really um, interesting that being mm. open, mm. not just to experience, but to possibly change the way you respond to them yeah, is crucial. And, mm. and to your point, Susie, the Steve Jobs thing, that without really exposing yourself to the randomness of life or, mm. or being prepared mm. to think that you might take a path less travelled, that that broadens your horizon. And I think that's really important. I think especially in times where we see a lot of conflict, that you don't resolve it without having some degree of empathy. It's pretty hard to get that unless you put yourself in someone else's situation. And to do that, you've kind of got to open your own up, I think. And, may, you know, I think brands are such an abstract idea, but they are an agglomeration of personalities. And... They are the strongest when they're personal, when they they become like someone that you would trust, and you know there's a lot of science around that in your game, Sean, where you're trying to Absolutely articulate that in a way that it can include a lot of people. You know that you can create some form of codifying it so that lots of people can speak as a brand. Absolutely. But but for us, I think the real challenge now is to be able to be have a sort of personal relationship with a lot of people and in a very short time or at least allow them to participate in something because the thing about ours is pretty simple karma is good and bad you get a choice you know soft drinks aren't great for you but they can do some good so why not drink a good one and we've got to get that across but it's a philosophy hopefully that goes a bit further than just drinking you know yeah absolutely and I guess you've built an entire business around these moments of serendipity these these moments of connection and meaning that that might happen spontaneously through good gym or it might happen over the course of our lives and we might start to see that constellation emerge but actually you've proven the business case that if you can start to stitch together some of those moments you can create both meaning and individual people's lives but also connect them up to something that's a much more powerful kind of commercial movement for good it, it just strikes me as well it's about kind of relishing an experience and I, and I think perhaps good gym is really important when it comes to this because I've been reading a book about sort of midlife crisis written by a very young philosopher alarmingly and he talks about a telecantelic goals and how we spend our life just setting our goals for ourselves. And I think perhaps when we saw those hundred people in their room, they're kind of saying, actually, I don't I want to stop just aiming for the next thing. And actually, I want to experience something. And I want to stop and I want to ask myself what that means. And I think part of giving people the chance to do good it gives them that time to do something a little bit different, differently. And I'm, I'm wondering how, 
you can create the same thing within a brand where you're just getting people to stop and reflect and to think and to experience rather than just to want to get to the next thing. Sort of move towards mindful marketing. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or, or even <laughs> even back to I think it was Alex who touched on it earlier, but you know, empowering people and treating them as human beings and giving them reasons to connect, but not bombarding them with a message or trying to get them to behave in a certain way. If we tried to bring this uh, quite abstract, quite big concept of what it means to be good and you know as I said the slightly nebulous language of being good if we try to bring that down to earth a little bit more and actually you know we banned the word good and we said what's it all about if I'm a CEO or a founder listening to this and thinking you know I want to do good through my brand through my business through the relationships I hold and the experiences I deliver how can brands do good in a very practical sort of way for you guys Susie, I maybe invite you to go first. I started, when you asked me that question, Sean, I started thinking about individuals and I started thinking about what it means to lead a business and what it means to be a good leader. And I think so much of that is recognising and listening to the people that you work with. And that sounds really fluffy, but it happens so little and the number of times people say to me, I just wish my manager would say thank you or would value me or would listen to me and actually listen to what I want. So I, I guess there's something interesting there about how do you take that into what brands might might want to do. And so that is about actually maybe going on to your, your earlier point, Sean, about really listening and treating your client as a as an adult and really listening, and, and I guess that's about starting that dialogue as well, isn't it? And respecting. I Abs- guess ab- I absolutely. I think that's a really powerful message. If businesses can start by building an, an empathetic culture in which they empower each other and, and there's dialogue and discussion and listening, I think that often emanates outwards. Alex, from your perspective, what can startup founders out there and CEOs who want to tap into this trend of being good, if they're really committed to it, what can they do to do and be good? So... If I took my line of thinking that to be good is inherently to be social, then anything you can do through what what you're producing, your service or your product, to create social spaces, and I suppose it's a variation on a theme that Susie's just described, you know, that's the single most important thing. In some ways, I would probably say, do not try and be good. Mm. Just mm. try and be social as much as possible. And... If you wanted to that extra little something to make you stand out from the crowd, be social with other brands and other products yeah. and actively encourage that, even if it's your competitors. I think that, that would be exciting. So flourish through collaboration, not competition. Yeah, and beyond, but I, I think probably flourish through friendship, which sounds really, really <laughs> fluffy, doesn't it? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just no, said that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've realised that one of the things that has made it possible for us to do a pretty straightforward job, sell stuff to people, is to treat them as if you had known them for longer, <laughs> so that the consequence of your behaviour is something you know you have to live with, if you know what I mean. That that impact, the thing you talked about as impact, is the consequence of you as a brand or an individual. If you're working for that brand or an owner or part of it, you know, you do have a responsibility. You know, what we're talking about is that the responsibility isn't entirely about profit. It's about our place in the world and being able to live with it. 
So I, I really think that idea of being social means that you have to encourage sociability, that people have to get on with each other. Yeah. And that everyone can do that, and no matter whether they're, you know, fixing a car or, you know, you feel a lot better when you, you know, you're talking to someone that has some understanding of the problem you're trying to have them solve. You know. Yeah, it makes me think of any kind of like village square or village businesses. You know, your your butcher, your your local grocers, or mm-hmm. all, all kind of getting getting on, on. and that's yeah. kind of it's mm. so powerful. And I think that would be quite cool to see. What does that look like at a much larger scale? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really lovely note to kind of start to wrap up on. If I were to do a bit of a ham-fisted job of trying to summarise, it feels like being good is less about asking those big moral questions and thinking about ethics and thinking about who's right and who's wrong. And it's much more about opening ourselves up to have new experiences, meet new people, to be a little bit more present, a little bit more fulfilled by each other and, and really connect with other people who are open and optimistic in the same way that certainly feels like a practical take out that we can go away from this and I think if brands can be a platform for that if they can bring people together and build communities and encourage us instead of sort of making us feel shit about ourselves so that we buy stuff if they can unite us around positive ideas and help us to connect with each other that feels like a really really good thing that brands could be doing well thank you again to you guys for taking part it's no exaggeration to say we're, we're making this up as we go along, but it wouldn't be brand new thinking if we didn't know where the discussion was going. As you guys have touched on, I think it's really encouraging to be having this discussion, to have had you know 100 or so people who turned up on the night, and, and I hope in a small way we can be part of that bigger movement for good that you guys have touched on, that we can encourage a few people and th- that this will ripple out and people have similar conversations in their workplaces and within their businesses and we'll, we'll all make the world a little bit of a better place. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. you. This episode of Brand New Thinking was recorded in the pod at White City Place. It was brought to you by Pollitt and Alex Kenmuir, Simon Coley, Susie Lawrence, and it was presented by Sean Davey. For more Brand New Thinking, head to pollitandpartners.com, find us on social media, or search hashtag Brand New Thinking.